0: I've loved flying from the very first time I had a chance to climb into a military airplane. I knew right then and there that's all I wanted to do for the rest of my life. It was extremely addictive. I had the great fortune in the Marine Corps to fly Harriers. It was not my first choice. I wanted to fly fighters and the Harrier had a very bad reputation at the time, but that's what I was assigned to do. And after my first flight in a two-seater, I was hooked. I was just amazing what the airplane could do compared to the other airplanes I had been flying, which was the A-4.
1: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. So there I was, which is how all great aviation tales begin. This is episode 46. It is. Entitled, what's it entitled, Repeat.
2: Carefully check the fuel cell with a torch. Ouch! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> we get into that. So we talk about Harriers this time, and the gent we're talking to has a couple. One of a kind. He's a one of a kind. <laughs> right? No, really, he has a couple Harriers, and he flies them. He's the only civilian to ever own, uh, own Harriers. <laughs> For Takes the air shows. Yeah. Yes. For real, R- real live Harriers. And it, but they were, it's a sea Harrier was the first one he got. And, uh, but he goes in back and talking about flying the 88A back in the early days in the seventies in the Marine Corps and reading the British flight manual that came with it. And he says, it's a completely different language. As I said, you know, with the United States and England, two countries separated by a common language. Right. And, and that was in the, uh, that was in the flight manual. Carefully check the fuel cell with a torch. The, the that in a
1: flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> what a. You know what? It's this. This
2: episode starts with. I mean, it's like being shot out of a cannon. I was just going to say that he <laughs> comes out in full afterburner, even though they don't have an afterburner in the Harrier. He comes out in afterburner and doesn't slow down until he no. pulls the throttle to idle on deck that's that's a fact
1: uh i i was uh, i was uh, i was out of words i didn't know how to respond when, when we started off it was like oh i don't even know where we're at this he went so fast
2: right most guests start with so there i was and then stop and wait for us to do all our polite happy crappy not this time man he's right into a story
1: boom boom <laughs> oh, so there i was uh, on fire 800 feet and yeah. <laughs> oh that I mean really oh it was a, it was a blast and
2: uh so well, listen fast, he, folks. This one's yeah, this one's yeah. hard to listen to. It's it's fast. <laughs> <laughs> it's fast, and and it's he, two shows. We broke it. We spent almost two hours with him, so we broke this up into two shows. First part is his Marine Corps career, his test pilot school. I like the stories, Fig, uh, about him being on the Spanish ship and the Italian ship. Yes,
1: yes, great, great stories. <laughs> Eating fish sandwiches, enjoy them. <laughs> <laughs> you Americans and, eat the heads. <laughs> you know he uh, and not only just the test pilot. He was a, he went to Air Force. Test pilot yep. school yeah. uh, as a Marine. And uh, that's a good story, too. Boy, uh, he's flown a lot of airplanes, and he's a very accomplished uh, aviator, uh, a test pilot at, at that. And uh, like I said, one of a kind. He,
2: he is indeed. So, uh, chaos is an appropriate call sign. Strap yes. in and listen fast, because this one comes at you fast, and it was a lot of fun. Hang on. Yeah, hang on. Don't sit on the ejection handle. (laughs) Don't sit on it. Here he is. This here is a true
3: story about crossing the pond at night in the world's smallest cockpit on the tanker through the weather. Oh, and to the uh, tanker crew who uh, did that. Thanks a lot. We really appreciated that. You don't mean it? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not.
0: Well, there I was crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't. Exactly so there I was gone. at a small bar on the outskirts of Longapo City in the Philippines, and they needed a volunteer from the audience. And I oh, I better not. That we probably not, better not go any further. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I had no idea that was coming.
2: Right. Oh. There you go. Welcome everybody. You're listening to the podcast. So there I was, Repeat coming to you from Paris, fixed at home in Kansas City, and today we have with us Chaos, coming to you from Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us, Chaos.
0: I'm glad to be here. Glad to be. Yep. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah. Well, we uh, we hope you'll enjoy being had by the end of the show. Um
0: I've been had many.
2: Times. <laughs> there you go. Listen, I-
1: I already feel like I've done a small core workout just from the the pre-show uh,
2: laugh right? I've already had. <laughs> this, this is going to be, be a fun awesome. one, absolutely. Before I uh, manage to uh, uh, forget to hit the record button, so we're starting a second time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back on our original first question and say, Chaos, can you tell us how it is that you wound up being interested in airplanes?
0: Well. Uh, I never grew up near, near an airport or anything, so I never had the opportunity to um, you know, wash airplanes for an hour, flight time in a Cessna, any of that stuff. But it, we didn't even know anybody that had an airplane, as far as I know. Uh, I was a midshipman at the Naval Academy, and in the second year, they send you to submarine school in New Haven, New London, Connecticut, one of the Connecticut things. Uh, I knew I didn't want to do that and they since a Pensacola, you got to ride in a T2. You got to ride in a, a T34 and you got to ride in a, uh, a helicopter. And um, I, I, after the first ride in the T2, they threw us in a room and said, grab one of these, one of these, one of these. And I was the very first guy by the door. And he said, well, you're ready to go cupcake. And so I didn't want that to be my call sign for the rest of my life. Uh, so they uh, they strapped me into T2. It was kind of a 2,500-day overcast or so. And uh, uh, a female plane captain strapped me into the ejection seat, and then reached between my legs and pulled out the safety pin, pulled the other one from the top, and said, these are the pins. If you pull that handle, you are going to go. That's the, That was my ejection seat brief. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I think they've expanded that a little bit since then. <laughs> and um, uh, we took off and went up above the clouds and it's a beautiful white you're looking at the beautiful sky blue sky above and clouds below and I'm just in awe it's like the angels are singing wah! and uh, he says well you want to fly and I said can I and I took the took the stick he said take the stick and I immediately went you know 60 degrees left 60 degrees right when he go whoa 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 you want to maneuver and I, well, I don't even know what maneuver is but yeah I think I want to do that and so he said, let me show you some stuff. So we did an aileron roll. He let me do an aileron roll. Uh, we did a barrel roll, and he's talking through it. He let me do one, and he let me do a loop. Uh, loops and rolls are pretty easy. Barrel uh, barrel roll was a little bit more complicated because I have a few more numbers to hit. And he goes, you ever done this before? And I said, never been in an airplane before. And he says, well, you, have a, you seem to have a gift for it right now, and I hope you continue with it. We came back and landed, and I knew then that's all I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Nice, the, nice. Next, the next day, I got a chance to fly in a T-34, and we did some formation. And nice. the instructor the, the instructor's practicing. I'm looking at a wingtip, you know, three feet away or however far it was. And I'm going, that's, that's pretty cool. And um, uh, then he broke away and said, don't tell anybody we ever did that. So that's why you get to erase that from this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and he was practicing.
1: Considered a race.
0: So he says, Well, you want to fly? Can I? Can I maneuver? I knew I knew the key word. And he says, What do you know how to do? And I said, I can do a roll, I can do a loop, and I can do a barrel roll. And he said, Show me. And I did. And he goes, Have you ever done this before? And I said, Yesterday. So then he starts, he goes, Would you like to try a landing? And I said, Yeah. So he does a landing in T-34 and uh, we, you know, and he says, I got the throttle. I got the stick. And he's showing me he's talking off numbers around the pattern. You know, 600 feet here, 300 feet here, a thousand feet down and make it go down the, the wing line of the airplane. Okay. And he says, next time you got the stick, I got the throttle, fly those airspeeds. We did. Third time he says, you got the stick and the throttle. And we flew and he goes, you're doing pretty good here. we gotta we got to kick this up. And I see that little teeny rectangle there. That's the carrier deck. Let's see if you can land in there. Oh
2: my
0: and God. Uh, uh, so I came around the corner and uh, uh, was hitting all the numbers. I'm looking at altitude airspeed, looking up, seeing the same plate picture he did. And um, I realized I'm going to be a little long and fast coming into the carrier deck. So at about 15 feet, 20 feet, I chopped the throttle to idle and the airplane, <laughs> boom, right down there, and he goes, well, I didn't expect that, but the airplane is reusable, I've used that word a lot, since then. Yeah, uh, the airplane's reusable, uh, you didn't hurt the airplane, and you landed on the carrier deck, he says, now, the biggest thing that washes people out to flight, you got like three years before you go to go to flight school, uh, or maybe even longer than that, um, he says, the biggest thing washes out is people's eyes, he said, don't do anything that's going to hurt your eyesight. I mean, quit welding without goggles, uh, you know, <laughs> right. um, things like that. Don't do anything stupid to hurt your eyesight and try and to protect it as best you can. Uh, and uh, so I did. And I knew right then and that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Nothing, everything else kind of went to the back burner, you know, in case, in case I, I flunked out of flight school or something like that. Mm-hmm. I did like tanks a lot. Uh, and so that would have been what I wanted to do second.
2: They, they're not quite as fast, but... Uh. <laughs> no, but they have a big gun, and that's nice. Right. That's pretty cool. All right. That's awesome. So, what? why Marines instead of Navy? I mean, you're going to the Navy school, right?
0: Yes. So. Yeah, the boat school. Our leadership... I had two leadership instructors. One was Jack Fellows, who was a Navy POW at the Hanoi Hilton during during Vietnam, and I, okay. I respected him a lot, and he passed away about 10 years ago. The other one was... Um, a Marine major was Reynolds, and he invited anybody that was even remotely interested in the Marine Corps to all the Marine Corps events. He held Marine Corps ball, and uh, we had a dining inn, and we had um, a few things like that, and so I was kind of intrigued, and also I never saw a fat Marine officer. Well, that of course has changed. <laughs> I've, I've changed that mold, and I said, you know what? i I think I might kind of like this. And then on the um, the senior cruise, I got a chance to uh, go with the Marines on an amphibious landing off the coast of Sardinia. I was going to be an assistant platoon commander. We're in the middle of the operation. The captain of the ship shows up. Okay, we're in the middle of the operation. We're lots of bu- we're we're busy. We got people going left. We got people going right. All kinds of things happening here. Please do your best to stay the hell out of the way. Okay, welcome aboard. We had a marine come on board. We're in the middle of a big operation. Lots of things going on. People moving left. People moving right. If you want to be part of us and see what we really do for day-to-day operations, go over and see Lieutenant Smarcatella over here, and give him your sizes. We'll outfit you. And we're going to put you. We're going to put you to work. And that appealed to about 24 out of 26 of us that were were on that ship, and uh, got the uniforms and the. Next morning, uh, four o'clock uh, show. We're getting ready to go ashore in the helicopter, and the platoon <laughs> platoon sergeant comes to me and says, "We had two Marines jump ship last night, so the lieutenant's not going to be here. You're in charge." And I got cami paint, and I said, "That just means you look at me, and I'll nod whenever whenever <laughs> you tell me to do something." Uh, the lieutenant showed up at the last minute, but we were ashore for three or four days. I don't think we got more than four hours sleep. Per night. And there's nothing in that on that island that grows ho- higher than 18 inches uh, except rock. And it's it was hot in the day, cold in the night. And I had a chance to sit there and talk with the lieutenant about why he liked the Marine Corps so much. And he says it's because of the Marines. He said, these guys, if without me, they would they'd be I'd ha- I have to I have to tell him everything. And OK. Uh, and he says, but they'll do absolutely anything for you. And he says, it's a, it's a, it's a special bond and a special camaraderie that anybody who's not a Marine has a difficult time understanding that. Right. Right. And right that that I made that choice right then and there.
1: That's awesome. Well, we're glad you did. Absolutely. Number one, we're behind you a, a couple of years, maybe, uh, Maybe two or three. I don't know. Not 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 very many. But uh,
0: counting, especially the, comes to
1: But the fact <laughs> of the matter is, uh, I I heard uh, chaos stories oh. uh, forever uh, when when <laughs> I was in the when I was in the Harrier community. Yeah, and now we're and now we're talking still to the man, them. the myth, the legend
2: himself. I'm still hearing <laughs> chaos stories. That's now right. I'm hearing them directly from the man. Absolutely. So you went to flight school. you You yes. uh, you wound up getting Harriers. Um, no.
0: but I think I saw no. something that that no. wasn't your no. first no.
2: choice. Yeah. Okay. No, That's
0: Harriers a, was not my first choice. They were, they were killing people left and right then. And yeah,
2: I, yeah. So, I, I
0: wanted F four. I, I actually wanted F 14s, uh, you know, uh, and then the Marines. my, uh,
2: no, were you going uh, through when the Marines, we had an F 14 squadron in Beaufort briefly, and then they decided to, to
0: they got that. rid of them and yeah, I went yeah. to the yard sale, uh, and talked to, uh, F- I got I got the leather jacket back in the closet here. Yeah. I bought this leather jacket for 5 bucks and it looked like it had been a boat anchor for 10 <laughs> 12 years. This is 1975.
2: Yeah. And
0: um the guy I'm talking to him says, "Yeah, I'm I'm going to graduate next year and I'm going to fly F-14." He says, "You got a tough time doing that. The Marines just got rid of him." I'm like, "What? That broke that was that was my whole life. I want that. what he says, "It's too complicated. Take too too many people. We don't have enough people. We don't have enough uh, MOS is to support that airplane. We're not getting it. So my first choice after that was F-4s. I've got like 17 hours. I'm going to fly an F-4 again too, by the way. And I think I'm a certified flight instructor in it too. With 17 hours total in the airplane, uh, I wanted F-4s uh, and then I wanted A-4s and Harriers was the third choice. And I was a little disappointed when they said, you're going, you're going Harriers. Um, that ended... After uh, uh, I got to Cherry Point, um, flying out of Hams 32, which doesn't exist anymore, but it, right. it was kind of headquarters yeah. of the maintenance squadron. And I flew. Uh, my and, job uh, was to fly flew... all the lieutenant colonels that had uh, just come out of the Pentagon, hadn't flown in years. Yeah. That
1: was the A-4 Mike. I was my
0: job. A 4 uh, Mike? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah
1: well,
0: I, I... OA, let me tell you. I O-A-4 A4 Mike. O-A-4-M was the... Neatest looking A four, I thought it had that two tone gray camouflage Marines on the side. It had that humpback that the A four M had on it. Uh, unfortunately, it was underpowered as hell and had fifty. It must it had two UHF, two VHF, so it might even had an HF. But it and had radios for days. It. Yeah, it, it, and. The front cockpit could be talking on a completely different radio than a rear cockpit, which means you were guaranteed to go Nordo right after takeoff. Yep. <laughs> if the if the lieutenant colonel touched the switch in there, so I say, sir, yep. switch is all set up. We're ready to go. <laughs> don't touch, don't touch nothing. <laughs> don't touch nothing, please. Sir. <laughs> Just in case, this is the Nordo recovery procedure. Um, you're guaranteed to go Nordo on yeah. that was a neat looking airplane. And I got a call one day. <laughs> I was studying the NATOPS manual, and it's, unfortunately, it's written in Brit. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, it's advisable to lower the undercarriage whilst in the pattern, whilst in the circuit. And I go, wow, I guess that means put your landing gear down when you, if you, if you intend to land.
2: Yeah. England so, and the United States, right. two countries separated by a common language.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, uh, carefully check the fuel cell with a torch. Yeah. That's. That's in there, too. That could end um, badly. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, I had to put a guy in the book for actually doing that. And they, they gave me a call to – said, we got a backseat open at 2.03, right down there, go down there and check in with Major Dunn, Cliff Dunn. He gave me my first flight in the Harrier. Basically, he went down there, and it was John Biote, um, hey. Mike Nialco, and Cliff Dunn. They were going to go out and drop some bombs at BT-11, and then uh, you know they had each six – mark 76ers or something like that. They go up and do some dog fighting and they briefed the hard deck was a soft deck was 10,000 feet, hard decks, 5,000 feet. They went out there, each made one pass, got all six bombs off in one pass. They didn't care anything about that. Um, I'm I'm in the back and I am just, I kind of know some of the procedures, but the, he says, you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Airplane throws me back in the seat we joined up on the other two airplanes at the end of the 8,000-foot runway, and I'm pretty sure we were doing 400 knots. Yep, yep. Uh, I've read the airspeed indicator correctly. Um, 4, 450, went out, dropped the bombs in one pass, and started dogfighting, and I'm just amazed at what the airplane can do. And then here we are at 1,500 feet.
1: Hard, hard deck's at deck, five, deck though. Hard
0: deck is 10. Hard deck's five. We're at 1,500 feet in and um, he starts to do a split S. <laughs> they, they, well, if you reverted, it's fifty
2: one hundred feet on the uh, on the altimeter. So just
0: yeah, you know. yeah. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe the um, uh, so. Man. And then I see the fifteen second light as well. We're pointing down at the ground, and I had no idea what the fifteen second light was. I thought, well, is that maybe time to impact? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No. So I had my hands on the D ring, and I'm counting down. down. 14, 13, 12, at about five, I was going to pop it. <laughs> and he came out behind these other two airplanes and we came back, came into the break. Uh, and all three of us went to the pad and, and it was a 45 minute flight. And I went, I cannot believe all the stuff we just did that I've never done. Uh, even though I was comfortable in the A4, I've never done that kind of stuff in 45 minutes. I said, I, I can't wait to start now. So Hey, was that, um, was that, that was that a questions the Harrier
1: chaos? Was that T A V A D? Yeah, t Uh huh. And, and and these were all A models. The single seaters were A models yes. as well, right? The
0: class, I my class had the two seater, and I had Dan Campbell, Gary Pheasant, and somebody else in the class that uh, he D O R. Um, the Harrier was the only airplane I think that you could. Say, it's just not right for me. I'm not comfortable flying this airplane. And they would give you another top-line top line airplane. There's there's a couple of people out there that made general uh, flying, a uh, full-board colonel in general that started off in Harriers and went to something else. I don't think there's another chaos. Platform.
1: What wow. year was that that you went to the RAG? 75? 79. 79, okay. Uh, so was <laughs> – when did they get the T birds? Do you recall? Was you was you the first class to have the T? No, no,
0: mine was not no. the first. Um, but I know the people that are flying with me now. Joe Anderson never flew a T bird. His first flight was solo. Right. Uh, Bill Spicer right. never flew a T bird. First flight was solo. <laughs> and right. uh, there, I mean, there's several classes there that your flight. They, the simulator was a throttle box throttle quadrant from a crashed airplane screwed to a coffee table in the ready room. I remember that. And they were teaching you: wow. this is what the throttle, this is what the nozzle lever is. And the first flights, this one for me was just, just a, you go out and accelerate down the runway, you go to 60 knots, pull it to idle. Coast to the end of the 8,000 runway. Turn around, next go to 90 knots, and at 90 knots idle, power nozzle braking, throttle, uh, the, uh, I'm using right. too many acronyms here yeah. that people might not understand. Uh, go. Bring the throttle to idle. Reverse the nozzle seventeen degrees beyond the vertical. Add power to stop the sixty, and then go to idle, and then then coast all the way to a stop. Use the brakes. Um, that was Fam One for them, and then the and second. Was a, was
1: yeah, and those were all in the single
0: seat. Yep. Yeah. Let me tell you, I, I don't think the FAA would approve that today. <laughs> uh, the uh, there were lots of things Marines do, but. We, I mean, we, honestly, we were blazing new ground. We, the Marines, were blazing new ground. New airplane didn't fly like a helicopter. didn't fly like a airplane. We're trying to figure out how to use it and where to land it. And, uh, you know, it was uh, right after, shortly after Vietnam, trying to figure out how to use this thing, not only just fly it and not kill yourself, but use it as a weapon system.
1: Yeah. Holy cow. So you, uh, when you got to your first gun squadron, it was A-models, correct? Yes. Because we just started getting... Yes, Holy
0: yes, av 8 a And we had two models. We had the Av8A, one had a water switch up here and a water switch down there. You had to know which one you're getting in. And it was um first squadron <laughs> skipper was Bill Spicer.
1: Um hey, what, what was squadron was that?
0: Way, have you read have you read any of his books?
1: I don't think so. oh uh, Sea Stories uh, of a
0: US Marine. Let me put a plug in for him. First okay, one yeah. the um I laughed out loud when I read the Great Santini, probably five or yes. six times. Um, yes. when I read, um, uh, stripes to bars, I laughed out loud that many times before I got halfway through the book. And I, I, I stopped and I called him up and said, Hey, Spice, you just broke the record for the great Santini. I've laughed out loud more times um, <laughs> than that. Uh, the, uh, he, he, Spicer.
1: last name Spicer, uh, right?
0: W.R. Spicer, W.R. Spicer is a set of five books. I'm, I, I'm in. I'm in book number five. I got a whole chapter by myself. Oh. Uh, when, I, when I checked into him,
1: uh, what squadron was that?
0: Uh, Two thirty-one. Okay. The, yeah. When I when I checked in, he threw me out of his office, uh, and and, of and said, "Yeah, of course you, Yeah, that I would have done it." And um, the uh, uh, he goes across the hall to Joe Anderson who was the executive officer and the maintenance officer said, you believe his little turd just came into my office here? He's a Naval Academy graduate. And I'm going to straighten him out. And, and, and Anderson said, let me have him. And Spicer said, no, no, he's mine. So he made me the assist, actually the, am the uh, admin officer right outside of his office where I had daily contact with him, uh, education and training. And um, uh, we're great friends today because uh, you know, you don't do anybody a favor if any favors, if you're too easy on them. And, uh, uh, Spicer actually is a, uh, he's a top notch Marine. He was forced recon as enlisted. Uh, uh, his books, his books are, he was an admiral's aide. He's still friends with the Admiral too, uh, or something like that. Um, and he's, uh, uh, he flew H34s in combat in Vietnam. He's got, that's an interesting book. I, I said, "Holy shit!" About ten right. times reading that book about Vietnam. Then how he transitioned to uh, flying a fours and then the the Harriers. And the, uh, I got to the, read these books. Oh yeah, I highly like, recommend them. It. It available on yeah. Amazon. The Harrier community, when I joined it, had had two thirty one had had four accidents and three fatalities in one year. Oh my god! And the wing commander said. We've got to find somebody from outside the community to come in there and get these cowboys straightened up. Ruh-ruh. And Spicer <laughs> was flying maintenance hops down at uh, NARF, a uh, rework facility, and they brought yep. him in. He got the squadron command as a major. And his first AOM, uh, this is my story uh, uh, that, that I heard, he walks in at uh, zero 08. They published on the flight schedule. He walks in at zero 08, and there's people – you know, a cup of coffee and whatnot, laughing and scratching. He says, what the hell is this? AOM means eight o'clock. AOM, you're in your seats. When I walk in, you stand up until I tell you to sit down. We're going to do this again in 15 minutes. Anybody's not here, you use the recall roster, and you get them here within 15 minutes. So he walks back to his office, slams the door, um, and just waits, In a, you know, about 10 seconds prior. He comes walking down the hallway again, walks in. They stand up. And he says, okay, seats, gentlemen, start writing notes. And um, nobody has a notepad. So he says, what the hell is this? When we have an AOM, it's at the time, I tell you, it's got to be, you're in your seats, you're ready to go. When I walk in, you stand up at attention. And then you you sit down you start taking notes. We'll do this again in 15 minutes. He walks back into his office, slams the door. (laughs) Boom. They got another 15 minutes to do it. Come back in at 8.30. He walks back in. They stand up. Seats, gentlemen. Take notes. Note number one: You're all fired. He fired everybody. He says, "We nobody has any job in this squadron until I give you a job." And he says, "The first one's going to be uh, an tops checked by me." Exto, uh, you're first up at twelve o'clock, and you better have it, two airplanes ready. You're at also the AMO. so you get two airplanes ready at twelve o'clock. Take off. I don't mean walk to the airplanes at twelve. Well take off we'll go do the check ride and um, that's the way he went through everybody in the squadron so uh spicer there is no doubt in anybody's mind he's the man in charge when he's in charge
1: (laughs) that's awesome that's that's a that's a great story (laughs) uh beautiful all right so uh so how long was the first squadron tour back in those days
0: 1979 until 1984, when I left there yeah. to go to Edwards Air Force Base to go to the Test Pilot School, class of 85A. So I was in I there. Said, that's
1: that's a that's just an amazingly long time. Uh, it seems like <laughs> to be in a gun squadron.
0: Yeah. The uh, by the way, I spell my name K A O S. You're too young. You too young guys are too young to know about Maxwell Smart. Uh, I remember watching that chaos, the international organization. for yep. And <laughs> that's kind of how I got the, the call sign there. Chaos. The, that's, that's part of it. It was an air, air fight with two F-15s. And I tried every defensive maneuver. I knew a couple of that I just made up called the Shavak, that, um, really they're not effective, but they're colorful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and fun to fly. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I could be wrong. <laughs>
0: The first time, maybe not so if you have to shut the engine down. Okay. Yeah. The, um,
1: that's that's fun times right there in <laughs> a the single-engine so, airplane. So
0: right? it, we had, we, and it, I'll tell you, the first year in the squadron, Spicer believed that you're not a section leader until I tell you a section leader. And it's not just a cross-country. You can go to Patrick Air Force Base or Oceana for happy or something like that. You're capable of taking two airplanes into combat. <clears throat> and bringing both of them back. And um, so it took a while to get section leader compared to the sister squadron, 542, and some other things like that. That, um, But we were, we bombed every day. He says, I want you to be able to, if every system fails on that airplane, <clears throat> you can, you can get a bomb on target. <clears throat> he called it the big orange theory. You're driving down a road in Florida with a couple of your friends and you're looking out the window, and you've got an orange. And when is the right time to throw that orange and hit the neighbor's mailbox that you hit um, at 65 miles an hour? Until you develop that sight picture, you're not good enough. Where the yeah. really the bomb site at that time was uh, just uh, just confirmed you were in the right place at right of place space. So we flew every day, uh, cross country every day, went on deployment. My first year in the squadron, I was going 185 days.
1: Wow. You guys probably racking up flight
0: time back then.
1: I mean, like really flying.
0: Gone. Gone. We we practiced. We practiced packing up, going, unpacking, operating, packing up, coming back. And then he shifted a lot of the players. Um, He shifted uh, S4, maintenance and s3 uh he kept me, kept me as s1 uh either i needed that he he was was happy with what i was doing or he wasn't happy with what i was doing so i stayed as s1 the whole time and i shifted some of the players that were working for me staff sergeants and whatnot okay but we practiced operating out of a. Uh, I don't even know if they have them anymore because they probably got computers the the um little deployment desks it's really a suitcase that just opens up with a flat space i that's remember
2: it. those yeah oh yeah your expeditionary yep. desk yeah yeah
0: yeah they're in the yeah. antique stores now
2: so and then you went
1: to uh you said test pilot school after the first uh, tour
0: yes yes they they select one marine a year to go to test to air force uh and it's only one a year and um I did did pretty well academically at the Naval Academy. So they said, you're the guy going there because that's a little tougher academically than the Navy test pilot school. And they selected several Marines to go there. And I showed up. And the uh, first day, the commandant said, welcome here. We're not starting class for another uh, 30 days. Uh, In the meantime, you've got to go get your flight physical uh, that's good for a year, get a new one good for a year. You've got to pass the open and closed book test on the uh, A-37, T-38, and F-4, get all your flight gear because we're going to hit the deck running in 30 days. So you were up to, and you got to take a a test in uh, physics and a test in mathematics. And I go, okay. So they gave us this study book (laughs) at that point. And I looked at the front page of mathematics and it said X equals X, back, triple uh, convoluted uh, integral. And I went, well, I'm someplace in the middle of there. So I, I studied and studied and studied, a lot of late night studying. This is just for the first test yeah. uh, to see where you are. They have a sample test. That you, they said you should be able to take the test comfortably in about 45 minutes. First time I took the sample test, two hours and a half. The next day, I took the same sample test two hours and twenty-five minutes. So I'm oh, the, the curve is improving, but not nearly as yeah. fast as what it needs to be. So comes the day of the test, and uh, okay, pencils up. I'm 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 figuring and calculating just about as fast as I can. And I, I had a degree in aerospace engineering too. That was graduated. going to be
1: a question of mine. So you yeah. okay? So yeah. you had it. I was
0: an engineer and graduated. With Merritt from the Naval Academy, uh, unfortunately, oh that was beyond the sigma curve. I was two sigma <laughs> there because out of out of twenty eight people, twenty six of them had advanced degrees. I was one of the two that didn't have advanced degrees, and they they pencils down. Everybody goes what? And he says, "Wait a minute, everything here is graded on the curve. As long as you're two standard deviations from the peak, you'll be just fine." And one little guy who uh, uh, was an engineer uh said, I didn't think it was so bad I had time to uh, go through the whole test and check my answers go back through twice he got about 15 pencils thrown at him <laughs> right right then and there he ended up being in a very very talented very capable people and that's the group I was in but I figured that nobody ever died of a math test uh the let's put the emphasis on the flying I did I did well above average in the flying uh, well below average um, in the uh, in the academic portion of it, but uh, I said, what do they call the last person in the class? They call them a graduate, right, and that right. was the that was the important.
1: Point. And then uh, okay, so you, so so you, so you finished school. in the top
2: twenty yeah. eight? Is that you finished in the top twenty eight <laughs> in your class? <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> so, so, yep, but, uh, I finished in the top ninety five percent of my class.
2: Here you
1: go. So <laughs> awesome. So I, after after graduating the uh, test pilot school um then you were uh, uh did you do evaluation testing or did you do operational testing or what what did you do
0: I went I went develop, development testing I went back right to Pax oh, River yeah. there were there were uh four of us and a program manager Harrier pilots and that's when the brand new AV-8B came out there was enough work for, there was only four of us and it was enough work for probably 10 of us. The F-18 at the time had probably had 15 pilots. And those guys are trying to get on a test plan to do taxi tests or, you know, aerial refueling or something like that. I did high-level attack stuff, departure resistance. I was a project officer for the TAV-8B, first guy to fly, first active duty guy to fly that, I think. Well, that's my story. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely
1: true. We'll go with and that.
0: And uh, I was the shipboard testing, did the ski jump testing, uh, with the Spanish ship, a 12 degree ramp, and the Italian ship, which was a six degree ramp. The six degree ramp, you have to look at it at kind of an angle and say, is there a ramp there at all? You know, can <laughs> I, <laughs> that's not much. The, um, and after I did the Italian ship, I wrote an evaluation. Uh, they they designed that ship after watching some World War II movies, I think. They had center deck <laughs> elevators, the center deck. Um, uh, most of the audience might not understand this, but they had a center deck hanger, and it's like they designed some of the cars. I had a I had a fiat once. You can't take any one part off without taking two more parts off before you get right. to that one part. Of course not. And every, every part has three bolts. You can get to two of them, you can't get to the third bolt. Um, <laughs> two center deck elevators, and to restack the hanger, um uh, you had to take, put everything up top side to restack the hangar and put it back together, and and those uh, edge scuppers you could taxi right off the edge of the carrier if you wanted, but it was turbine powered, so okay, the geez. single greatest thing, a time consuming thing to get underway, was to take the lines off. That was the single, they because it's just turbine. They go, mm, and the engine room looked like Starship Enterprise. I'm not kidding. I had big screens here. And then the engineer sat in a big chair. And uh, some of the characters that you may have seen about them is uh, they don't put their arms through the sleeves of their jacket <laughs> of their of the uniform. So they just they just hang them, drape them on like a uh, like a cape. And um uh, <laughs> With the long um,
2: cigarette holders and the,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I see that. But, I, but lunch takes an hour and a half, yes. and I said, "This is the winter time. We only have this much daylight. You want us to operate here? I need my guys will have lunch on the flight deck. Bring them up a sandwich or something. They're happy with that. Uh, we'll fuel the lead a sandwich. Why you don't you don't want to have to socialize? With us. We're trying to get the work done here. I mean." So, <laughs> So we were we were working there and they bring they bring up these uh, sandwiches called a bogadilla and it's a hoagie roll, but it had a whole fish on it, the head sticking out of one side and the tail sticking out of the other side. What? And I told my guys, I said, Look, whatever they give you, it's a delicacy. I don't care what it is that they put it in front of you. I don't care if they whatever it is, you eat it and smile. You don't want to offend them. This is an international thing. And ca- Captain, you I was a guess. I might have been a major time. Um, they said, This thing's got the whole it's the whole fish on it. I said, Eat it. And <laughs> so one of the marines grabs onto the sandwich, eats the eats the head, because this is actually pretty good. And the rest of them started eating the thing. Well, dinner at that night, they served. I'm sitting next to an admiral, and I'm sitting next to the captain and some other saying And they bring us whole shrimp, the head and everything. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah. Uh, the uh, commander that's next to me, they're talking in, in excellent English and whatnot. And um, I'm looking at this shrimp on my plate going... Well, I just told my guys they got to do it. I got to do the same thing. They're they're excellent with a knife and fork, skilled, surgeon, mm-hmm. surgeon quality, and they can. They're sitting there talking, not even looking. They can peel a banana and eat the banana. They can peel, they can peel this and that and peel that. So he starts peeling this shrimp, and I go, "Well, I might as well get the worst part over with." So I sliced off the head and ate the head, and he goes, "You Americans eat the head? No? no. <laughs> 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 well, I thought you guys did. Of course, there's No, we don't don't eat (laughs) eat the the shrimp head. That's uncivilized. um, Yeah, yeah, and we had uh, uh, a couple people on the test team, engineers, that they would come in and look at the table setting to determine if they were going to eat. I said, if if you're not going to eat it, excuse yourself and, you know, wait till breakfast. And okay. So we had a couple that if they ever saw a fish knife, there which is a d- different night uh they have some, they go oh, i'm not even gonna take a chance on this uh what? and they they would excuse themselves had a couple like that
1: all right so i i'm gonna throw one at you here uh chaos engine out landing at richmond
0: yeah it's, it goes back to that being lucky versus good happened to be in the right place at the right time we were scheduled i was the section leader scheduled to support the basic school out of Quantico, Virginia, for some close air support as a winter time had four flights early morning. We, with big tanks on, we take off in Cherry Point, go to Quantico, let down just around Richmond, down into the basic school there in the the restricted areas, sorts around and do some, you know, let the couple of them give us a hack and, you know, um, uh, come in and pop up and attack, and then we we, we hit the bingo fuel, come back, climb back up, go back to um, Cherry Point, refuel, do it again three more times. And on the second one, the uh, coming by Richmond, there's snow on the ground. So the black asphalt runway kind of stuck out like a sore thumb right by Richmond, uh, richmond Harry Bird Airport. The air traffic controller says are you the same shank 04 that came by here earlier? And I said, yeah, I am, and I got two more after this, so it's going to be a long day. And he says, okay, I understand. And as soon as I pulled the throttle back, the engine let loose. Got a loud bang, PM went this way, JPT went this way, and I shut the engine down, and the wingman said, you're on fire. And I said, well, i just shut the engine down. Am Am I on fire now? He says, I don't see anything right now. And I was right there by the airport, <laughs> 17,000 feet, 180 degrees out from the airport. And I told center, I said, hey, look, I've, I just lost my engine. I need to land at Richmond there. And I just saw an airplane take off. So I knew which way the uh, the wind was and which, where they were landing. Okay. And yeah. so I started to do the engine out procedure. I was a little bit higher.
1: This is but, in ata a, T- uh, a uh, AV-8A?
0: AV-8A, wings oh, this shit. big.
1: Yeah, it's like a little is, bitty.
0: The yeah. The tail's as big as the wing.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, um, shit.
0: The, uh, and heavy tanks, uh, way heavy. So I started doing the, I went through a uh, manual fuel relight. Uh, we have two fuel systems. We have a hydromechanical fuel system and a manual, which is basically you're just controlling the open and closed valve. And you've yeah. got to manually limit everything. Otherwise, you'll over the engine or
1: right.
0: whatever if I had any engine left. So I went through a relight, and I'm setting up to try to get s- slow. I'm 300, 350 knots and 17,000 feet, and I'm trying to judge how far out I should be in order to land this airplane.
1: So, Jay, just to put this into perspective for the listeners, you are trying to do an air start, get power back on the plane, at the same time flying an engine out profile to a place yes. you've never been.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I can see it. So that's, that's yeah. you know, peak is worth a thousand scans.
1: You're darn right.
0: The controller says, okay. I go through a relight, don't even know if the engine's running or not because I'm trying to judge and fly and I look. I look down, I'm still holding the relight button. The lead, relight button is on the throttle, and that you give a continuous igniter. So, if you get any fuel down the engine, it's got the spark plug going. It's light. Hard, kind of light. Right. And I look and I got stabilized, some kind of stabilized RPM, and I got some kind of stabilized JPT, and I went, I might have an engine. And then I came up on the throttle a little bit, and it went, boom, boom, boom. Uh, okay, now maybe not much. So, um, <laughs> Uh he said they know you're coming. You got nine thousand feet of runway. You are cleared to land. If you can switch to this frequency, my first thought was I don't have time to switch that frequency. And then I took a breath, I go, Yeah, I actually I do. And so I switched the flight and I took a breath before I said anything. So a flight switch, to, you know, 12375. Try to act calm and came up. Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're coming around to the tower. I'm engine out. I got one, I, I got, uh, I got one approach at this. I'm going to land. And they said, Roger, you're clear to land. We're rolling crash crib. So as I'm coming down, the gear speed on the AV-8A is 250. Most Navy airplanes are 250. That's a, that's a, that's a little insider information. They, I don't guess they want you going faster than 250, uh, but the Harrier is 250. <laughs> so at, um, and I didn't know enough to break that, I probably uh, maybe I, uh, I didn't at the time know enough that you can pro- they can it can handle way more than that. But I said, well, I'm waiting for 250. So I come in and I'm at about 600 feet and I'm waiting for the air. I said at 250 or 400 feet, 300 feet, I'm going to punch the gear down. And the, the, when I say punch the gear down, AB8A had a push button for the landing gear. It looks like, a, you know, up and then down. Yeah. And I had my finger on the down button. I'm waiting for the airspeed to get to, I don't know why I waited exactly for 250. I should have done it. But at 250, I pressed down. The gear goes one, two. There's four landing gear in it here. Yeah. One, two, three, four, about like that. And the fourth gear came down and locked. I got green about a second before i touched down and
1: hey how fast were you going okay Twenty-two
0: thirty. tire speed's 180 um, <laughs> who
1: cares at that point
0: <laughs> at that point i hope the tires help and i touched down on brick number one the very first bit of asphalt there i touched down and i threw the nozzle before in revert and the hud quit by the way on the way around final i go well the that's what else can right. go wrong? I don't have an yeah. engine. I don't have a HUD. And I came up on the power. Something was doing something. I don't, i was filling manual fuel and it was, the whole cockpit was shaking, So I couldn't see any of the gate. I didn't know how fast it was. And I, I, the old A4 number was uh, 80 knots at 3000 feet. Right. Yeah. But that had two brakes. One yeah, on each main gear. Yeah. And, <laughs> and brakes that worked yeah um, you got one the Harrier brakes do a real good job of stopping the wheel. They don't do a real good job of stopping the airplane the yeah. um <laughs> um so I saw that right at the at eighty knots I saw the three three thousand foot board, so I did some real slowing at six thousand feet. I got stopped and there were fifty feet of runway left a uh, big pile of snow right there and the the airplane is shaking so bad i can't i mean it's it's just doing this. I said, Tower, I think I could actually clear the runway if 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 you got some place to stand by. And that time, it shook too bad. It scared me. Uh, um, I can't say scared. I said it, it, it got my it attention. It concerned you. It <laughs> got my got my attention. <laughs> and um, I said, too late. Shut it down. Jumped over the side. Oxygen hose hanging out the side that broke loose as way it's supposed to. And knee board still on knee board. I don't hit a step all the way. Down. No <laughs> and way. and then crash crew's coming up and it's smoking out of both ends. They hadn't had anything to do all day. So they're looking to spray it with foam, you know. Oh, we got I said, hold off just a second. Don't, it's, unless you see some fire, don't spray it. And I look in the front and it's smoking, but the front looks like it's intact. Uh, I won't look in the back and it's smoking and it looks like it's intact. And I, get, I can't, uh, I, I couldn't have just imagined that. Um, right. So uh, we just let it cool off, taxied it back, and then made the phone call. And um, so they said, we're going to send a crew up there with an engine, stay there for a day or two. so, you know, that's kind of – and and the wingman detached it. Uh, He went on back. Um, And uh, they changed the engine, and when the Rolls-Royce Tech Wrap came up there, he took the cold nozzle off of the side and said, hey, Art, look at this. And he takes his arm and sticks his arm all the way down in the engine and said, you see that? And I, uh, yeah, uh, he said, I'm not supposed to be able to do that. There's no blades there. There's, there are all <laughs> little pieces of that, you know, like the pieces of broken blades and stuff like that. I just I don't know how the engine ran. I said, well, the hood quit on final. And he said, I don't even know how it did anything. And what, what, what happened was uh, a piece of the first stage fan broke off it Went down the whole engine and took out oh, right down the core. Everything.
2: Yeah, one blade hits another oh blade, two gosh. blades hit four, four blades. It's like hit that, eight.
0: Uh, <laughs> you know, that nuclear thing where you got a ping pong ball and and uh, mouse traps and stuff like that. Yeah, it just went like that. So, so
1: you, so, uh, uh,
0: right place at the right time. I saw, and that airplane flew again.
2: Nice, that? wow,
1: <laughs> okay
2: uh and you had just enough windmilling for hydraulics i guess to in the a did the uh, hydraulics lock up if you are uh, the, 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 the flight controls lock did,
0: i know now you have to have about um 8% rpm to get hydraulics okay i know that because we've we've been trying to do um air starts with the c harrier on the ground by putting the l 39 in front of it and let um the exhaust right. go down the intake and at about eight percent, the stick starts coming to the center, and you get about a thousand pounds of hydraulic pressure.
1: There you go. I'll be darned. And
0: just, just that, you know, it's got a lot of momentum. That is, <clears> that that core weighs thirty five hundred pounds. It's not going to stop instantly, it's right? Got There's
2: some- inertia there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right. yeah. Well, that makes sense.
1: So that was uh, you got a single action air medal uh, for saving. Yes, that I did. Plan.
0: And they the, when he, uh, General Gustafson pinned it on me, and Harry Blott was the squadron skipper. Uh, I forgot who told me, but somebody said we were debating about whether to court-martial you or give you an air medal.
1: <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, That's okay. a show
2: title, Court-Martial or Air Medal. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's awesome.
1: So I uh, were you in VMA-223 at some point?
0: Yes, I was. I, yeah. I'm at an air show at... Um, I'm flying the L 39, uh, which is a really neat trainer airplane. Um, I like it a lot. Super easy to fly, hardly anything goes wrong. I had a complete hydraulic failure in that, and it's not even in the pocket checklist. Can you believe that? Oh, wow. The flight controls are not hydraulic, wow. like, it's only the flaps and the um, brakes and whatnot. You got two brake systems. On an accumulator, it's a hydraulic failure is not even in the uh, wow. in the okay. in the book. Not an emergency. Um, <laughs> no, I guess not. But it's checked. And it happens all the time. The uh, so, so um, I'm at an air show, and I'm wearing a flight suit with a 223 patch on it, and the Harrier demo is from 223. And so all the ground crews from this is at New River, all the ground nice. crews were wearing 223. And a guy comes up to me and says. Sir, do you have authorization to wear that patch? And I said, Yeah, I was in 223 when you were in third grade, and uh, <laughs> they ended up taking. it. ended up taking. We did the math. He was actually in fourth grade. The um, that was pretty close. Uh, though. But uh, uh, Dog Davis, John Davis, was yeah. the wing commander, and um, he came down to the air show. Good friend. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I got some Dog Davis uh, stories too because he he gave, he was stupid enough. I mean ill-advised enough to give me one of his name tags on a cross country to Oceana. And I said, dog, you had a great time at Oceana. That's the good news. Bad news is you can never go back. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so he sees me at the air show. And it uh, comes up and it's like these, they used to have this commercial where, you know, the people in slow motion were going toward each other and then they hug, you know, it was, it was, it was that kind of thing. Uh, we hadn't seen each other in several years and it was a, it was a good thing. But, it, but uh, 223 actually got a, I got a photograph of them in front of the airplane when they realized I had actually earned that patch.
1: Nice. All right. Uh, chaos. Thank you for your service, number one. And God Amen. bless United States Marine Corps.
0: All right. Yeah.
2: It, indeed. Yeah. Thank
0: you. You guys have a good day.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Art. The first thing I'm going to do before we uh, go into the other stuff is uh, mention that uh, oh. uh, Fig and I lost a squadron mate yesterday. We want to send our prayers and our our thoughts out to uh, Joan Paschal. Uh, our squadron mate, Bo Paschal, uh, passed away. we were told of a heart attack yesterday afternoon. We have heavy hearts this week, and we'll keep Bo and and Joan in our thoughts and prayers this week. I will make an effort to attend the funeral if I can can do so once we get that information. You hear in the background our friends the Dos Gringos, the guys that give the Air Force a good name. Uh, Thank you to them for letting us use their music. Thanks to Dave Hamilton. Thank you, Dave. Thanks to Dave over at Mac Geek Gab. Thanks also to Robin's Bird Brain Designs, our sponsor. If you need something etched, personalized gift for somebody, reach out to robinsbirdbraindesigns.com. Uh, you can follow us on so there slash rumble, so there I slash Facebook. You can email us, repeat at so there I or big at so there We have a glossary page up. Probably got a couple more terms today. Going to hit our glossary page on was.us. But in the meantime, until next week, everybody, stay safe and get sick.
3: There I was, crossing the pond, and you could see that I wasn't exactly fond of all the shit I was wearing on that day now an f-16 is cramped enough but it's even worse with all that stuff supposed to save your life but we knew there was no way because you're going down the north atlantic man it's over
2: looks like the song says it's over over.
0: the next day i got a chance to fly in a t-34 and we did some formation and the instructor is practicing i'm looking at a wingtip you know three feet away or however far it was. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Then he broke away. and said, don't tell anybody we ever did that. So that's why you get to race that from this podcast. Uh, (laughs) And he was practicing.
1: Considered a race.